Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am joined today by Carrie Flynn, and she is the owner of Virtual Simplicity LLC, which specializes in helping clients get their online programs created, designed, and ready to launch using her Zen launch formula so that they can launch with ease and maximize their profits fast. She offers day rate accelerators for tech, design, and strategy, as well as one-to-one consulting and done-for-you launch management. So we are going to be talking all things launching, and I'm so excited you are here, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tara. I really appreciate it. I love launching, and I'm so excited to dive into this with you. So I'd love for you to start with telling us a little bit more about your story, how you got started in business, basically why you love what you do around launching. So I started in 2017. I actually did not get into the business I have now, like intending to build a business. It's sort of, I was a full-time public school teacher at the time. My youngest daughter was like about six months old. My oldest at the time was eight. And originally the whole plan was I was just kind of looking for something to really do two things, help bring some more income into our family budget, of course, and also to kind of give me an opportunity to flex some creative muscles. I was plateaued at my teaching job. I didn't really have any sort of a lot of creative options. And so it gave me the option to dig into some gifts that I wasn't able to. So I started as a virtual assistant and then scaled into becoming what's called an OBM or online business manager. When I was doing that for the first couple of years of my business, I worked with clients that launched like pretty regularly. They were either coaches or they were consultants. And so I learned on the job training, how to launch, what that meant, all the different ways to launch and all the things that go into launching. There's so many different things, of course. So that was how I kind of got into it and learned about it. And probably around the time that COVID started, right around 2020 was when I really moved into offering launching just as its own service. Instead of becoming somebody who just works on the team of somebody else, we started helping people actually launch. And at the end of last year or midway through last year was when I started to notice how many people hated launching but also saw it as a quote unquote necessary evil (laughs) to make money in their business and to build their business. And so I'm a huge fan of simplicity. I always felt it was a lot of the things that were happening in that space were a little bit kind of not necessary. So we started developing with our own clients, how to launch in a way that isn't going to make you want to burn your business to the ground after. And that's kind of where the Zen launch formula came to be. It kind of came through a lot of the experiences I was having with my clients, but also just watching friends and colleagues 
struggle and get frustrated with the whole process and not wanting to do it, but felt like they had to. And that was really hard for me because I didn't feel like we all got into business to dread it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's got to be some other way, like something else we can do. And so I started using what I'd learned through a launch manager certification, my certified master marketer program, my own experiences. And we sort of put together how to do it in a way that will help you not want to not do it again. <laughs> Basically, That's kind of how it came to be was through all those experiences of me being a mom and working full-time and building a business and doing all of those things. And people would always ask me all the time, how, and it was really through accidental. I didn't know I was doing it, but when I actually sat down and thought about it, I was like, oh, maybe I can use these things I've done to help other people too. That's amazing. Yeah. I know when it comes to launching, like people have so many feelings just by hearing the word launch, it can feel so overwhelming. And I think if that's the case, there are ways like with your Zen launch formula to make it so much easier and the big point, maximize profits in a way that actually feels good and doesn't force you to have to do all the things. Cause I know like you see a lot of things where people are like, you have to launch and do live webinars and you have to do this and you have to do that. I love that you really make it more simplified and fun based on who they are and what their strengths are. For sure. I think the biggest thing I would say in that regard is you have to, when you decide your strategy plan in that way, like you have to be in alignment with yourself, but you also need to be in alignment with your ideal client. And so that takes some reflection and thinking because a webinar might be great for you, but not great for your audience. So there's a way to find that happy, like a Venn diagram, if you will, like a way for that crossover to happen where you're not dreading it, but also your audience, your people that you serve will be benefited well. It works for them too. I love that. Yeah. It's so important to think about your audience. So what would you say are your top tips for introverts in particular who are maybe about to, or planning to launch their first program or first digital product? Well, number one, I'm also an introvert. So for me personally, I find that I struggle with energy management. That's a big issue for me. It's not that I'm shy. I'm not afraid to show up and be present online. That's not an issue. But for me, it's almost like socializing in real life. It feels the same. It's an energy drain. You have to think about if you're going to show up and be on social media, let's say you decide to do a live webinar as your sales event, or if you choose to just do lives as an ongoing strategy for marketing consistency, maybe you're going to do live videos every week. Whatever you choose to do, it's really vital that you plan in some energy management. That's so, so important. It's not as big of a drain for my husband, who's an extrovert, to do stuff like that as it is for me. It really does make me very tired. But it always used to feel so silly <laughs> about that because I was like, well, I'm not like going to parties or anything, but it's the same amount of energy. It's just on the internet, basically. So make sure you're really taking time to take care of yourself. And you may have to be a little bit more strategic in how you plan out when you're going to do those things. So for example, I don't do more than probably three or four calls in a day. Some of my friends can do a day full of calls. 
I can't do that. <laughs> like it just can't, it really drains me and I can't think it's really hard for me to think clearly after. So I pick a couple days a week that I do my calls. And those are the days that I do them. And I typically do no more than four, maybe five, if I'm really dead, if I have to fit one in. And so that's an example of pick a couple days where you can have maybe some time where you're not expelling that energy and pick some days that are going to be a little bit more focused on you and your clients. <laughs> you can kind of divide and conquer there. It helps a lot. And then make sure you're taking care of yourself too. Put some actual self-care time in there. It seems cliche, but it really helps. Yeah. I feel like with introverts in particular, we have to be so mindful of our energy <laughs> when it comes to everything, but especially launching because it does require extra energy and on your part, you have to manage those expectations. I know I do the same thing with my calendar. <laughs> like it started where I just had Fridays blocked off. And now I typically, for the most part, block off Mondays and Fridays. And I do the same thing. Like I can't do more than three calls the other days that I do calls or interviews or whatever it is. I give myself at least a half an hour between them. So I can take a break and just decompress. Like I know that I need that. I am the same way too. I pretty much fully block off Fridays as well. I really don't do a lot of calls on Wednesdays and Mondays. I only do a couple, maybe just for my one-to-one clients that might have team meetings those days. I really don't do a ton. So really my hardcore day call days are usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then the other three are time to do some tasks for my marketing or launching or things that I know I need to do that maybe don't require as much show up. So I try to get all the show up things on one day <laughs> and then all the non-show up stuff on the other days. That makes sense. I didn't even think of it, but I kind of do that too. I'm like, if I have, for example, I'm doing a summit interview and I have to show up live and I spend the time to get myself maybe a little bit more presentable. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of that and schedule other things that I have to show up for. Maybe I'll even take some new brand photos or record some training videos because I'm in that space. And that could just be me. And if I put makeup on, I'm going to make the most of my time. Yeah. My husband has tried to get me to do that with content. He's like, Hey, if you're going to do an interview, you might as well go ahead and do some content while you're already dressed up. I was like, okay. Yeah. It just makes sense. Especially if you work from home, like I'm all about comfort attire. I live in leggings and slippers. So if I take the time and have to, uh, as I call it, put a face on. Yeah. I want to maximize that because I know that it doesn't happen as often as it could. So <laughs> that's just another way you can manage your energy too. If you schedule and put those things together, it's really going to help you accomplish a lot more too. That's so true. So what are your thoughts around how to incorporate, because I love digital products. I added it up like a week ago for an email I was writing and I have, I think 46 digital products right now. Oh my God. Um, I love that. <laughs> I know. So do you have any thoughts around somebody who right now is a service-based business and is just working with clients one-to-one -one and wants to move into creating digital products, like how to figure out what type of digital product and how to get started with 
adding that as a second revenue stream. I'm a good example of that, I would say, because I started and still that for the most part work in one-to-one services. I would say the thing that has helped me a ton and I know has helped other people in a similar position is to think if your one-to-one is your highest point of entry for somebody on your value ladder in terms of your offers, and maybe you have that top of your ladder already built out really well, that type of client is going to be maybe a certain level of income, maybe a certain place in their business. Like you just want to think backwards and work down. So you could think maybe adding a digital product or program that could be the next level down, or you can go even further down the ladder to the point of entry. So you want to think, and maybe you can do a great option when you're thinking about a course or a membership or whatever the digital product is, it could be a e-commerce store where you sell templates or what have you. There's lots of options, but I would say one thing that has really helped me is getting and talking to people. There's nothing more powerful than relationship marketing where you're just talking to people and kind of paying attention to what their needs are. So what somebody's needs are who's launching as a newer launch person are very different than what they are when they're working one-to-one consulting with me. It's a very different place in business. And I only figured that out because I was having conversations with folks and just paying attention to the spaces I was in, what people were saying and what their pain points were and what they were doing and all of that stuff. And that helped me to create what I have now, which is I have a course, but I also have a really simple point of entry that gets them a little one-to-one access to me too. That's really, really simple and easy to achieve. And it's a lower price point than it would be to maybe hire me and my team to do one-on-one like full-on launch coaching, which is completely different. That would be my biggest piece of advice is you don't want to create the thing first. It's the same as you would with your services, right? You want to find out where they're at, what's their biggest pain points, what are their needs, and what's the transformation that you can provide for them at that place? Is it a course? Is it a workshop? Is it PDF? Like, What is it that they really need that would help them get a quick win? Because a lot of times people at that entry point level or maybe the mid-tier level, they're not quite ready to invest and totally done for you. They're just not there yet. So what's something that you could give to them that would help ease that pain a little bit that they could do on their own? I love that you mentioned value ladder because that's something I talk about a lot. For anyone listening, I do have a free value ladder workbook that has some examples. So if you're totally confused and wondering how to map out your own value ladder, you can download that. And there's examples in there too for different types of service providers that'll help you start to map out and brainstorm what your audience needs. I also really love it, especially for service providers, because like you said, people are going to be at different levels. So if you're a service provider and you're getting on calls and you're getting a lot of people that can't afford your one-to-one services, those digital products and things that you can create for them are an easy downsell opportunity for you for those people who aren't at the place where they are ready or financially ready to invest in your one-to-one services. I couldn't agree more. That's what sometimes makes those sales calls or those discovery calls a little bit easier is when you do have options for them, it makes that 
process a little less uncomfortable and awkward where you maybe present your high ticket offer to them or your high tier and they're not ready. And maybe you know that when you get into the call. So you go, Hey, I have this offer, but it's this much. And I'm not quite sure it's the right fit for you to have this other thing. And when you position it that way, it makes it even more attractive to that person and makes them feel like you actually listened to them and heard them and saw where they were at, which is really nice. Yeah, that's so true. Cause otherwise, if you don't have that value ladder, if you just have the one-to-one and somebody on a call is not financially ready or at the point of investing, you don't really have anything else to offer them. So it's either you're letting them go and unable to help them, or then you start to think, oh, maybe I can customize my package for them and take pieces out. And then you're in a whole nother <laughs> level. And if you're getting on a call and you don't have people saying that they can't afford your one-to-one, you're probably undercharging. <laughs> yes. There will come a point where probably after five, what, five to 10 yeses, typically around five, if you're batting a hundred percent all the time, like that's a sign that maybe it's time to think about increasing the prices a little bit because you do want to repel the wrong people as much as you want to attract the right people. And that is hard to do at the beginning. It was for me to say no. At the beginning. Yeah. I was definitely in the same place when I started. It's like, oh, but there's money on the table. I can work with this. And not all money is good money. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) I know there's a lot of platform options out there for people who want to create different digital products, courses, memberships, group programs, and it can be overwhelming just to figure out what kind of tech or platform you need. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts or opinions around the different options out there? I'm not big on like debating tech systems. We work in a lot of them. I will say you don't necessarily need a ton at the beginning. So what I have learned through my own certifications and learning about launching, as well as just working with clients over the last five years or so, is that depending on where you're at. So we kind of help people learn. There's like four kind of main launch levels, like depending on where you're at, like the first two, you're a little bit newer. And then the second two, you're more established and you're becoming more of the thought leader. So what a thought leader or someone who's scaling an offer would use is very different than what someone would use at the beginning. So there's a lot of times where I tell people, you know, you may not even need a system, a tool to have a sales page. You can hundred percent get away with a Google document. I think sometimes, not all the time, sometimes people get so caught and stuck on this conversation that they don't actually ever launch. That is heartbreaking to me. I'll give you some examples of my favorites, but I will say you don't necessarily, if you're brand new to launching, you can totally have your sales page on a Google document. If you have a great transformation that helps people get from point A to point B, you can start with Google documents and then go from there. That's one thing I I wish people would not get stuck on. I don't want them to not launch. That being said, there's some really great tools out there depending on where you are. So if you're starting out, I like lead pages or teachable are really easy to use and user-friendly and they're not as a big investment. If you're maybe at level one or level two of launching, you're a little bit newer. And then as you become more established, you can start to maybe scale into some higher, more advanced tools. Like I love Kajabi. I'm a big Kajabi person. Kartra's great. 
I have a lot of clients that use FG funnels as well that they really like. They all do different things. <laughs> They're also not all perfect. They all have gaps. So it's just really about maybe looking at them and seeing which style works for you and which is ease of use for you. Like if it's really hard for you to use, don't do it. <laughs> you don't want to stress yourself out over a tech tool. I find that a lot of people, the tech is what holds them back. So I love what you said about Google Docs because really you can keep it so simple. You do not have to get bogged down by all of the stuff and tools and resources out there. You can make it so simple. And if the tech is holding you back from actually launching the thing, that's just holding back your money and the opportunity to actually get it in front of the people who need it. So we did touch a little bit on the emotional side of a launch and how introverts can best prepare themselves. What do you feel about like mapping out a launch? Do you have a process where you break down a launch into different phases, different pieces, different tasks? Yes. We sort of break it into three phases. Phase one is really where you do the strategy and you do the plan of the launch. So that's the time where you make decisions. You will decide when you're going to launch, what type of sales event you're going to do. You also take the look at putting together like kind of your visibility plan, like your marketing. How are you going to market this? Are you going to do social media? You know, you kind of set out the overall plan for all of those things. And it's a really great time too to set your goals and this is a perfect time if you're not already working on building your email list, this is the perfect time to do that because we want to be doing that in between live launches. If you're doing a live launch strategy, most of the people do three to four times a year. So in between those actual live launch periods, it's really important to take this planning phase as a time to bring new people onto your list. So if you don't have something to do that, you can do something at that time. Typically that takes about a month of time between the beginning phases of it and the end to really put that plan together and then start to put the pieces in order. Then the second phase is our design phase. That's where if we need to create any new tech, any tools, if we need to update our course, if we need to build the sales page, write the copy. Like those are all the things that we do in phase two. And when we work with clients, that's a typically a two month process because we like to test things and make adjustments and make sure it's working right. And then phase three is where we actually launch. That's where you have your sales event. You open the doors to your program, you show up. And then after the launch is over, you actually debrief it. You take the time to break down all the numbers, take a look at how you felt, how did it go well, what didn't go well. And then you can take that information and make some adjustments. We always encourage people after the launch is over to give yourself a week or two of just like, you don't need to make any plans. Just take a couple of weeks after to rest and do business as normal. I will say for introverts, it's very important really for everybody, not just introverts, because even my extrovert clients don't do this very well. And a lot of people only focus on the goals and the plans and the strategy, but they miss a really key component, which is taking really good care of yourself during that phase three. It can be very draining on you and it can feel stressful. What we try to encourage clients is that there will be stress 
but we want to be in the good kind of stress. We don't want to be in distress, which is the bad kind of stress. That's where it activates your like fight or flight impulses. But if we're in the good kind of stress, that means we're pushing for growth. We're moving towards being a better version of ourselves and pushing ourselves. Like it's the kind of stress you get when you go on like a a roller coaster. (laughs) It's like exciting, but also it's pushing you to like step outside your comfort zone a little bit. So we want to try to encourage people to stay there. And how we can do that is by radical self-care, by planning ahead of time to have time to go outside daily, to have affirmations, meditation, if you're okay with that celebrations every day and planning ahead. So maybe things like dinners or lunches or things like that are pre-planned. So we don't have to worry about stuff that would take time and maybe overwhelm us a little bit, plan that ahead of time, maybe order out, maybe do some pre-planned meals. You can even do something really, if you have the budget to do this, I encourage people to get massages during a lunch because there's something about the lymphatic system, like getting that out of your body. I don't know what it is, but it works. If you can get one, I highly encourage you to do that. I love that. Yes. Taking care of yourself. It's so important. I love what you said about the debrief. Cause I feel like a lot of people skip that. They do. I think it just scares people a little bit, but it's all just information. It's kind of like how money is just neutral. There isn't anything negative or positive in money. It's the same with a launch. There's no, it's very neutral. It's just numbers and info. And if you take the time to look at it, it's just going to give you some information that you can then use with what you will to move forward. But if you're really emotional, I encourage people to maybe take a little time away and then circle back when they're not in that emotional place. One thing I've heard from a lot of, introverts in particular, but I'm sure every entrepreneur has struggled with this is like when it comes to creating a new offer and launching it for the first time, there's a lot of fear around launching and putting it out there because there's this thought of what if my launch is a failure and nobody buys? It might happen. And that's okay. If it does, I want to tell you that it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for that to happen at the beginning because often people don't have a no like, and trust factor. They haven't had the time to really build up those relationships with people. And people buy from human beings. They want to know that they can trust you and that what you're offering will help them. So that is important at the entry level as a course. As you move up your value letter and you start to offer one-to-one, it's even more important. No matter what you do, keep in mind that these are people And relationships are so important. And the more that you're taking that time to nurture those relationships, it can be through emails, social media, one-to-one conversations, however you choose to do that. That is really what will help you over time. It's totally possible that you will have no buyers or very few, and that's okay. That's just a starting place. You have to start from somewhere and grow forward. I love that. Yeah. And definitely do the debrief and make plans for the next launch. Cause that's something I see too. I've seen in a lot of Facebook groups where somebody launches something they're really excited about. Nobody signs up for it and then they scrap it. They don't reevaluate it and launch it again in a few months. They just, Oh, it's not working and (laughs) move on to something else. That makes me crazy because how do you know? 
you've only done it once. You have no real data. You need multiple times of launching something before we can really start to assess if the offer is not working. And even if it's not working, there's usually something in there that's not right and you can fix it. It's almost always that the offer is not a full disaster. It's usually something inside of that whole process that might just need some tweaking. But it's, again, it's because people are very emotionally tied to their offers. So I get it. So I always ask everyone who comes on the podcast, because we talk a lot about marketing. So what is your favorite marketing platform or method for your own business? Well, my method that is my favorite is relationship marketing. So one of my coaches talks about, there's like really four different buckets. There's paid ads, organic social search, which is like YouTube and Pinterest and stuff. And then relationship marketing by far and away relationship marketing is my favorite in terms of how I have built my business and how I choose to grow my platforms and what have you. That's just been my favorite. I just like relationships. Those are, I think when I took the strengths finders, like relator was like my number two or number three. (laughs) So it was like high, it was pretty high up there. It was like in the top five. So I would say that's been my favorite because it's just had the biggest impact for me personally. Then my favorite platform, because I've used to do back in the day, build outs on it all the time. And my favorite platform today is still Kajabi. It's just super easy to use and it's very user-friendly and it doesn't require like a master's degree level to navigate through as much. Whereas some of the other tools, it takes you a little time to like figure out. It's a little bit easier and more accessible for someone who might not be so tech savvy, which is nice. That's always nice. Yeah. (laughs) I love tech, but I know sometimes I've tried systems where even I was like, oh, how does anybody (laughs) without like, you know, it's bad when I can't do it or you can't do it. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. I love talking about launching. So just to close out. So if anyone's listening and they want to get in touch with you or they want to work with you, where is the best way for somebody to connect with you? Well, if you want to know more about like my business and what we do, our website's a great place to go, like the services we offer and the courses we have. It's virtualsimplicity.co. That's our website. But I spend a lot of time on Instagram and LinkedIn. I mean, I have a Facebook profile too, but I would say Instagram and LinkedIn. Instagram is at virtualsimplicity. That's where you can find me. And if you just search my name, Carrie Flynn on LinkedIn, I pop up. I think it's like one of the only names on there. (laughs) that name on LinkedIn. So it's pretty easy to find me there. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't have that same issue with my name on any system. It's way too common. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like it just, for some reason, not a lot of Carrie Flynn's out there, I guess. Awesome. Well, we will have all of the links in the show notes for everyone to connect with Carrie. If you want to learn more about launching, connect with her, work with her. If you're planning a launch, whether you're at the beginning stages or you're becoming a pro launcher, I'm sure she can help you out and make it a little bit easier for you because I know launches are so overwhelming. And I love that you offer this for people because it's definitely needed. I find a lot of launch services are just focused on all the moving pieces, but you've actually made it a a point to make it easier, which I think is so beneficial to every entrepreneur out there. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Awesome. Thanks, Tara. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.